here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. You're listening to Getting to the Point, the business reinvention podcast from Big Small. In this series, we hear inspiring stories from those who've cut through complexity and confusion to redefine their brands and businesses. Today, we're talking to Lucy Green, futurist, trend forecaster, and award-winning author. After working for a number of top agencies and future laboratories, Lucy founded her own business, Light Years, in 2019. Light Years has gone on to work with brands all over the world and has been featured everywhere from the BBC to the New York Times. Big Smaller Matt caught up with Lucy to hear our insights on the forces changing the world of B2B marketing and what today's B2B brands need to do if they're to appeal to a whole new generation of business decision makers. Lucy, uh, welcome. In New York, drinking your pond water there, I see. Yes, a rather attractive uh, vitamin drink that looks like literally the bottom of a pond. <laughs> doing you lots of good, I'm, I'm sure. Thanks very much for coming on, um, getting to the point to talk to us about uh, B2B. And um, if, if if I may, I'd like to start by uh, just recounting a recent trip on the underground in London. So I went up to town, uh, traveling around on the underground, and it was really interesting that where there used to be uh, posters everywhere on the underground for cars and lagers and fashion brands, uh, these all seem to have been replaced with accounting software, workflow management systems, and uh, other B2B campaigns. So what's what's going on? What's happening? I think there's a few things happening, and it's kind of on the tail of, I think, Silicon Valley generally consumerizing lots of uh, traditionally institutional sectors like healthcare with Oscar or banking. And so you've seen a whole new visual language applied to yeah, somewhat institutional categories. And now that's completely blurring into B2B. And I think a big part of that is that you're seeing um, millennials becoming the key buyer of B2B products and also the way B2B products are bought being changed. So millennials, we always, you know, it's funny as a trend forecaster for years, I was, you know, we talked in boardrooms about millennials as the sort of quote unquote youth category <laughs> and I, I am a millennial so I still like to think of myself as the youth category but the eldest millennials are turning 40 and are becoming leaders in organizations and that's transforming the whole way that B2B brands are speaking in a, in a, in a, to a much more consumer focused way. That's really interesting so one of the things that's driving this is that those millennials are now be- taking positions of uh, buying authority so they're becoming uh, c-suites uh, they're, they're leading big procurement uh, projects so they're buying these big business to business software systems workflow management whatever it might be and it's yeah. the difference in the millennial mindset to say uh, my generation x uh, mindset that's that's what you think is driving some of this uh, behavior in the way that these brands are being marketed yeah, I joke about in luxury, it's like hipsters with um, platinum cards now. So grown up hipster lux on the business travel front too. Um, but you see that, I mean, it really, I think is going to only continue when you think about Gen Z. I mean, I've been looking at, for example, the financial sector and creator tools and also collaboration tools aimed at Gen Zs. And the whole language of that is like, TikTok, lime green. Imagine if your bank was awesome. We're going to create a bank where your your TikTok and your Twitter and Instagram following is taken into your credit rating. So I think you're just in general seeing a big disruption of what B two B how that shows up and how it exists. 
So I know you've done a lot of work on this audience, and I think you have a, an acronym for them, in fact, uh, to describe some of the traits of this audience that B2B brands are needing to appeal to nowadays. Can you just outline that for us? I think that'd be really interesting for us to talk through. Of course, yeah. So I did a global study, actually, with LinkedIn and GWI, examining this this new B2B buyer. And as a, ever the trend forecaster, um, it was fun to come up with an acronym. By the way, my favourite acronym for Gen Zs are CARLY, C-A-R-L-Y, can't afford real life yet. But um, the beaters <laughs> is what we <laughs> uh, what we landed on for the millennial buyer. The beaters. Um, the beaters. Yes, B-E-T-A. So broadly speaking, that stands for Blagerite, as in another, another portmanteau, very much a cliche of the trend forecasting sector. But um, in other words, they blur their business and their leisure life. And you see that also in products that exist now in B2B, you know, Slack, MailChimp, Google Office, Zoom. They're sort of at once appealing to enterprise, but also people at home. OK, so B is Blagerite, which is the blurring of um business and leisure both time and products so that's that's fascinating so i guess what you're saying there is that traditionally uh there were products for the home and products for at work and work and business were were, were less synthesized and maybe yes. um I, I guess covid has accelerated that the fact that everybody's grandparents can now that they've now had a, a a training course in how to use video conferencing uh with things like zoom so what you're saying is that things like MailChimp, they're, they're not only B2B products, they're almost B2C products because people have side hustles and they're, they're running yes. the, uh, uh, you know, they're running a running club mailing list from MailChimp just as they might, you know, just as they might be in the office running a, a big business mail, mail list. Exactly. And it's interesting that you see a lot of the big tech consumer platforms now in an arms race to create sort of almost immersive consumer products, but for enterprise. So there's a lot of disruption on that front. If you if you took Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse, the infinite office, which sounds like utter dystopia, but um, sort of creating this immersive virtual reality environment that you might work and socialize in. There's a great quote, actually, from Sundar Pichai, who's the CEO of Alphabet. Um, he said, COVID has blurred the lines between consumer and enterprise, and people are using products in all kinds of contexts. So he said that they're already looking at Google Meet and Google Chat for potential business use, which I thought was really interesting. OK, so that's B. Take us through E, the E of the beaters. Um, so it's sort of it's, it's, it's entrepreneurial and evolving. So this is the, the first... I guess, LinkedIn generation, like millennials basically made their career, their identity, and they have side hustles and their career has been a core part of their personal brand. And so the impact of that on B2B is that they're talking to talent and the way, the way they market to them is to offer them chances to network, to connect, to learn, to take courses and be entrepreneurial also in, when, in the context of like when they're working in the business as well. Okay. Are there any good examples of that? Yeah, so if you think about, for example, Adobe, which has Adobe Max, which is a sort of festival of creativity where it introduces new tools, but it also, of course, is parties and so on. And WeTransfer is another one that does an event, but also cultural programming generally to help its users connect and sort of almost center itself in the heart of a community of creative people. Brilliant. Take us through uh, tea. 
Tea is, um, I mean, it's sort of a cliche, a bit tech savvy, like this, uh, you know, very digitally focused, especially with having now work from home. So which has put a much more of an emphasis on digital marketing for B2B, which is also by knock on effect made creativity and digital marketing more important and social media more important, but just generally a sort of tech savviness and tech first approach rather than it being the traditional way that you might have sold B2B where you do meetings and it's lunches and stuff like that. It's a lot more digitally focused now. Do you think this is a generation that actually prefers to communicate digitally? Because it's sometimes said that some of the younger generation, they'll talk about talking, but actually what they mean is exchanging messages on WhatsApp. They don't mean talking at all. So do you think that's (laughs) partly why that's happened? Well, it's interesting to me that a lot of these collaboration tools and productivity tools have actually tried to, while being incredibly efficient and helping you save time and being very intuitive, amazing UX, like that's the other thing, um, this generation expect the same UX as you would get from like an Uber or from all the other tools that they use in their everyday life. But there's also been an emphasis on humanizing that communication so you see for example even in a b2b context this um, emphasis on emojis and making text sort of a little bit more friendly and even something like all the new microsoft tools that try to let people upload their face to make collaboration seem a bit more humanized so this is kind of a combo so i guess to some extent it's as almost as simple as business not taking itself quite as seriously as perhaps it would have done in the 80s and 90s and being free to have more more fun I suppose yeah the whole tone has changed I think in B2B to something that is if you know you know kind of vibe and that's actually a hashtag if you know you know and more friendly more pithy speaking directly to talent and speaking to them as humans as whole humans not as a B2B buyer and I, th- I think that's also because in organizations it's not one person making decisions it's sort of it's it's a little bit more individual now as well I think yeah just very, being very much more irreverent let's say and and borrowing from the, the playbook of direct to consumer brands so you know if you think about Warby Parker or Dollar Shave Club there's a great line for Lola which is a direct to consumer period brand and they said that this too shall pass (laughs) Um, so very much speaking in a different way to audiences has been fascinating. Yeah and I guess partly that might be because the B2B brands can make B2B style communication but still target them in a very targeted B2B sense so perhaps beforehand it was the consumer brands that would do the big mass brand films because they could afford to uh, or they needed to have the mass consumer reach put them on television etc whereas as you said earlier b2b might be more about those one-on-one face-to-face meetings or, or driving the sales force whereas now a b2b brand could make a big film and get it to a lot of the right people without actually spending anything on on media i see quite a lot of films now just on linkedin and um yes Exactly. So really thinking epically, like, and creatively. Um, So General Electric has has commissioned a full-scale series of documentaries. And that's also what's happening, I think, in brand culture generally. I think brands are starting to think of themselves as media companies as much as anything else. I mean, SK2, which is one of the biggest skincare brands in Japan, has launched a complete film studio creating feature-length movies now so I really think brands are starting to think of themselves as content creators it was also interesting in terms of I thought an interesting shift 
that Can Lions, for example, have started awarding B2B campaigns. And there's been a lot of creative, interactive ones that would normally come from a tech or a sportswear brand or something. And then interestingly, at the Super Bowl, most recently, you saw the presence of big, epic B2B campaigns marketing to huge Super Bowl audience. So Squarespace, I mean, you could argue Squarespace is, again, like a sort of side hustle meet enterprise. It caters to a lot of people. Um, they had Zendaya in their advert. And then you had Salesforce with Matthew McConaughey doing a whole um, purpose-driven message, actually, poking fun at Elon Musk with a whole, like, why are you going to space? That's ridiculous. We should focus on saving planet Earth. Um, but you had TurboTax, LegalZoom, doing big scale expensive campaigns that was sort of funny and cool. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, maybe it's also a reflection of where the money is or where the growth is, especially at the moment when a lot of consumer brands are facing the cliche of tough economic headwinds. Perhaps it's the business to business brands, that, that, especially the new ones that need to chase fast growth to keep their valuations up that can actually afford to do that kind of thing. Yeah, and I also think the way that business is done is being disrupted as well. So like, what is a B2B product? I think it used to be that a company would have to build infrastructure from scratch, but now the barriers to entry for creating a business have completely changed. So you can literally run a business using Google Office, using Zoom, using MailChimp, using Slack, and, and you can, so there's a hyper plug-inification, is that a word? <laughs> um, that's, um, so I think the way businesses are created, and, they, and then if you take an extension of that with the creator economy, people using these tools to uh, create merchandise, create like using Shopify. So interestingly, Shopify has created a whole education space in Soho here that is free to co-work in. And they do tutorials on how to sell your product, how to market it. You can rent studios to do a podcast, to market things. And even the, the new amenity in a lot of buildings here in New York now is a podcast studio or recording studio um, for you to build your brand. Um, so uh, I think businesses, what a business looks like is changing, in other words. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I've, I've um, taken you off your beta track. Uh, oh, sorry. So, um, <laughs> no, not at all. It's, it's, it's all good stuff. Um, but just to complete that, what is the A, the A of beta? So the A stands for activist, and that broadly manifests as, again, marketing to talent, but companies market to talent and buyers and having purpose at the centre. And that can be purpose with a societal issue, but also just having like a bigger mission generally like a point to your point <laughs> so um gsk for example just did a radical rebrand where they want to see themselves as the tesla of pharma and their mission is to do the right thing they don't have any direct to patient sales contact but they wanted to have a bigger presence in culture and in the minds of people that might want to work there and i thought that was like a very telling thing um, GCU in Australia is an insurance company and, and in their marketing campaign they wanted to address tall poppy syndrome in the workplace and they actually hired Jim Henson to create an animated series to highlight that issue so you're seeing just generally brands trying to show that like internal culture as well like showing diversity in campaigns showing that they're They've got community talking about a bigger mission for social change. So Greenwood, the bank, for example, trying to its mission being inclusive entrepreneurship and investment. 
generally sort of thinking about themselves as uh, change makers as well. Well, as, as you know, we uh, we set up Big Small to uh, help brands get to the point at the centre. So this bodes very well for Big Small if uh, lots of B2B <laughs> brands are pursuing more purpose-driven, um, higher-order goals, which is not to say um, purpose-driven in terms of doing good, but more about knowing what their purpose is as a brand in, in the world. Mm, and yeah. I think it is definitely something that we've seen. We've had a lot of people talking to us lately about how do we, as a B2B brand, rise above the feature and benefits conversation how do we stop just going out there saying look we've built version 3.7 it's a better mouse trap and stand <laughs> for something uh, a bit bigger to have a real kind of mission for the company and uh, get everyone to rally around that and get behind it and i think another way that they're doing that and that's something i've really seen is an emphasis on design so as I mentioned, like previously sort of institutional categories have been reframed by Silicon Valley with, you know, like friendly, curvy animations or whatever. And we're really seeing that sort of not just that because that's almost become a bit generic, but a real emphasis on design and visual language and being distinctive leading into B2B. So where you used to have stock photography and it would be a bit shit <laughs> and generic. Am I allowed to swear? I think so. I think this uh, this podcast okay, cool. has a 12 rating. <laughs> um, but really trying to emphasise like daring and distinctive design, going to bigger consumer agencies, not just getting a sort of plug and play logo. Um, really rethinking visual codes as well. So getting a distinctive, ownable, bright colour. Like, Could you have it like MailChimp just launched and um, uh, advertised its uh, festival into it with like bright lime green also coming up with dynamic assets that can appear in lots of contexts. And I think a lot of that is also to do just with generally with the influence of Instagram, like the like people's design literacy is so much more advanced now at a mass level that it's become synonymous with being a credible brand and understanding culture. And, and, and in, actually in this research, some of the experts I spoke to talked about how being a, a well-designed, distinctive brand is almost making uh, companies attractive for mergers and acquisitions, even. It's being seen as part of being like a good company and a mm. good product that you're well-designed. And then brands are also just getting more creative, like um, Lacquer Bike Insurance, for example, has created a whole line of merchandise. So thinking about, could we, could you do, could you be a lifestyle brand <laughs> or like actually go beyond the, uh, the sort of tote bag or the pen and be a bit more creative you know we're all we're all visual creatures so i suppose we're all attracted to nice shiny things so in some it's not surprising in some ways that design would would help you to have a higher multiple or be more of an attractive target for mergers and acquisitions right. exactly you're listening to getting to the point the business reinvention podcast from big small Okay, so that's the beta. So what you're saying is we've got this new generation that's coming along and, um, you know, they're hitting their 40s, they're taking these big roles, they're now the CEOs of, of, of businesses, they're in charge of big buying decisions. And those people can be thought of uh, in terms of the beta model. So you've got these four different things, they blur their yeah. business and leisure time, uh, they're very entrepreneurial, very tech driven. And uh, they, they're attracted to sort of activist causes, uh, brands that yes. have a, a kind of big, big mission. So so what should brands do? What are the ways that if you're a B2B brand, you can you can win in this new B2B economy, do you think? What tips could we give people out there if, if we're 
if we have a CMO of a B2B brand listening, thinking, how do I tap into what's going on? Yeah, so I sort of boiled it down to five themes, I think, which is one, again, as we've just talked about, like being purpose-driven, marketing to consumers and talent, having a bigger mission to solve a problem, showing diversity in your campaign, showing your culture, two, being future builders, right? I think innovation cannot be understated in the dialogue that is connected to relevance now. So I think Adobe Max is a really good example of that, but they also do collaborations with the Sundance Festival. Salesforce has um, Dreamforce, the reason why you cannot get any hotel room in San Francisco when it's on. Again, positioning itself as the sort of the future of its space. Shopify's Lab's a good example of that. And also being thought leaders, but in an irreverent way, I think is really interesting in that. Like, so Bill Moore is a, a lawyer here that has, for example, an Instagram account called Non-Equity Partner, which has got a, a, a big following now. And it's all insider jokes about the future of law, <laughs> what's going right. on in law. Um, but just even... What's, what was the company called again? Bill Moore and Associates. Um, but his account is Non-Equity Partner, and it's got 162,000 followers. But it's commenting on the future of law, but also, again, inside jokes about billable hours, which I follow now. And it's actually quite funny. Right. <laughs> um, the, the third is being is sort of embracing your humanity. So thinking about your brand in a more human way. There was a really funny piece recently in The New York Times about how LinkedIn has suddenly become this place to overshare. And this idea of talent now wanting to work for companies and buy from companies that let you be your whole self. B2B companies are starting to talk about their talent and directly to talent in sort of irreverent ways as well. Like DHL has created the Ultimate Sidekick campaign, which um, highlights their talent, uh, like literally has taken people from within the organisation and photographed them and put them into posters talking about what they do. There was a recent campaign by uh, e-commerce tech platform um, Commerce Tools. And it featured Will Arnett, who's a comic here. He used to be on SNL, I believe. But it was sort of taking the mick out of that, that person in the boardroom who's always shooting things down and being like, we can't do that. We can't do that. So again, sort of speaking about work culture in a very funny and human way. Um, but you see that also the humanity thing radiating in, in language, as we've talked about, and tone and just generally being empathetic. The fourth one is design or distinctively expressive. And we've talked a lot about this, but like really thinking about how you show up in a much more creative, distinctive, daring, experimental way, uh, in a way that could compete with other, you know, the best direct to consumer brands on Instagram, because that's what you're up against. And by the way, that's what you're up against to recruit and sell to the people. So those, you know, B2B companies have now started, for example, recruiting on TikTok. Um, yeah. yeah and then and um, the last one is is uh sort of an extension of that being creatively epic so the leading b2b brands now are really thinking big they're like doing Im brand immersions they're competing for creativity in can lions they're doing super bowl ads they're commissioning huge hollywood stars so being a lot more sort of daring creatively i think is going to be the mandate so purpose-driven be a future builder, be human, be distinctively designed and be epically creative is the summary of that. <laughs> Brilliant summary. And, and on epically creative, just as an aside, I mean, I was thinking about this last week because 
there's a legendary director called uh, Ivan Zacharias, who I was lucky enough to work with on Stellar Artois many years ago. And um, he's been responsible for many of the kind of biggest and most famous uh, commercials of the last couple of decades for brands like Stellar and Honda and Nike. And uh, and I'd popped up on on LinkedIn a fortnight ago for Upwork, which is a B2B brand that allows businesses to hire freelancers. And uh, I thought, God, this is a stunning commercial. This is brilliant. I wonder who directed it. And it was Yvonne. So it's, right. it's again, really interesting that, you know, the top creative talent now are, uh, and these are people who can probably choose which scripts they want to make and maybe make four or five a year. It's the B2B brands that are, are attracting those people towards them. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point, which hadn't occurred to me, is that it's because that's where a lot of growth is coming from, especially with the work from home pandemic, like people just using a lot of these tools in home and being marketed to in digital marketing and but also sort of consuming them as consumers and talent. I think the growth point is really interesting. Okay, so I'm sure that people will be listening and thinking they want to hear more from you. And I know that you have an incredibly stimulating presentation that brings all of this to life and shares many of the examples that you've talked about that obviously we can't see on the podcast, but I'm sure a lot of B2B marketers would would love to see that stimulus. So how can people get in touch with you, Lucy, if they want to do so directly? Um, well, thanks to social media and LinkedIn, I'm very easy to find, but um, uh, the best way is to go to my website, which is this is lightyears.com. So I'm quite easy to find there. My That's name... light years, as in as in Buzz Lightyear. This is lightyears.com. Yes, exactly. So um it's a reference to that being light years ahead, if anyone's curious about the name and if that isn't obvious. <laughs> um, but uh, my name is uh spelt L-U-C-I-E. And surname Green, um, G-R-E-E-N-E, crucially with the E, and I'm very easy to locate on LinkedIn and various other channels. Lucy Green, futurist, trend spotter, and uh, all-round inspiration. Thank you very, very much for coming on Getting to the Point. Thank you so much. (laughs) That was Getting to the Point. If you would like to get to the point, Big Small can help. Visit bigsmall.works and redefine your business in 12 weeks.